Phone Insight Podcast 251, recording this on the 30th of April 2018. I am Steve Litchfield, and we've been a gap of a few weeks, but we do have Mr. Rafe Blanford back. Hi there. Yes, hello everybody. We're on to number 251. I guess all the excitement of getting to 250 meant I couldn't quite organise my schedule in tandem with Steve to get the next one in the can, but we are now recording and we've got quite a bit to talk about. I think the fault really lies on my end because Steve kept going, oh, shall we do one today? And it's like, oh, can't quite make it. But now we're not in the same place, but we are on the same task. So uh, let's get on with it. Okay. Well, I'm just uh, checking all my VU meters and they're all rocking and rolling. So we're good to go. Ordial's <laughs> radio. Now, this is, um, do you remember TuneIn Radio, uh, Rafe? That was quite a famous app. It still is, I guess. But this is an alternative. It's a full Windows 10 universal Windows platform app. And I was quite impressed. I hadn't heard of this before. I don't know quite how new it is, but. Uh, I presume it's a 2018 application, but if you can look at the screenshots there, this really is a really, really polished uh, alternative to other internet radio applications. It is, and I think this is sort of testament to the UWP applications because, uh, as you kind of allude to in your review of this, I don't think they've necessarily done all that much work to optimise it for mobile. I think it just works because of the various components and because they haven't done anything too custom or wild and wacky, um, you know, it it's very good, and yeah. it it sort of kind of makes me mourn for what might have been. And actually, I think this is kind of the future of apps more generally, making them aware enough, if you choose to do so, to make them work across lots of different devices. And we kind of already see that a little bit with uh, phones and tablets. But anyone who's uh, developed or created apps knows it's actually quite a difficult trick to pull off, and it it does result in some limitations. We've definitely seen that with UWP, but yeah. Um, I hadn't heard of this one either. I had heard of TuneIn and actually regularly use it through uh, my uh, voice smart speaker. I'm not going to say the name because she'll start talking in the background if I do that. Um, but it's a, a nice organizational content. And actually, one of the things that's impressive here is just, I think, the kind of curation of the content and the catalog is pretty impressive. I mean, uh, even if you look on something like, uh, I don't know, the genres or the countries, it's evident that there's sort of getting on for 60,000 uh, stations that you can listen to on internet radio, which is pretty mind-blowing when you think yeah, about it. Yeah. You know, it means there'll be something out there for everyone. Even within the UK, there's sort of 1,800. And I've got to imagine that gives you pretty good coverage of both kind of local radio plus some niche things. Um, so, yeah, kind of uh, thumbs up. And, of course, you can get the uh, uh, AAWP uh, podcast in it as well. <laughs> You know, you can get BBC Radio. So it kind of covers all the bases from what I might call the specialist niches right up to some of the mainstream things. And things like, you know, Virgin Radio, Capital FM. So for, you know, for UK audiences, this is pretty comprehensive. And uh, it just reiterates, you know, how far uh, things have moved on in some ways. So all this content is available via streams. And you wouldn't really think too much about having an audio stream going on your smartphone, you know, Yes, it uses a bit of data, but actually it's not not too bad. And if you're signed up to a decent tariff, you'll probably be able to do this, you know, for even an hour a day without really having a big impact or a big cost. Where, of course, you, know, you go back not that long, really. And, you know, data was much, much more sensitive as an issue because, you know, people were worried about bill shock and things like that. I'm not saying it's gone away altogether. and It does depend which country you're in. But it, it, apps like this always remind me um, just how fortunate we are to have 
this almost infinite amount of content on tap and you know to have the kind of data bundled and i guess to a certain extent the coverage as well because you know this works best if you've got a 3g connectivity or even 4g and you know that's a real boon and, and something we take for granted a little bit i suspect yeah absolutely i mean only a year or two ago when the Formula One Grand Prix were on, uh, were on and we were, say, travelling in it on a car journey, we wanted to try and catch up, and it wasn't at the time maybe on, you know, over-the-air FM radio. Uh, we thought, I know, we'll go to the digital radio. We didn't have a digital radio. I know, we'll go to the f- Five Live <laughs> website and we'll stream it, stream the audio from the from the web. And you know what? It worked. And two years ago, I was always rather worried that one of us would run out of data on our tariff by the end of the race or whatever but these days yeah i mean a, an, an hour of of bbc5 live over the internet is only what 30 40 megabytes which is nothing really most of us have got a couple of gigabytes at least on a, even a basic um, t- monthly tariff so yeah it's, internet streaming whether it's voice or music i think is very very practical these days yeah yeah and of course the same applies to Netflix and all the other uh, iPlayer or any other over-the-top video service. I mean, they are a little bit more data-hungry. Um, but, yeah, that is definitely one of yeah. the kind of greatest benefits of kind of the smartphone in terms of being able to entertain yourself and amuse yourself, that kind of yeah. infinite content library. I mean, I'm sure you remember the day, Steve, where downloading content to have on a road trip or something like that, and you were playing with, you know, the amount of memory on your phones, because that's the other thing, you know, very big memory in phones. And actually, these days, you probably, you know, I can remember having a topic of conversation about with you, you know, how much memory do you need on a phone? And actually, the answer is these days probably less than it was, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, but kind of getting a bit off topic there. But yeah, this is a great app, Audios Radio UWP. You can find it in the uh, Windows Store and definitely worth downloading if you do any listening to internet radio streams because it just feels very polished so very impressive indeed yeah just just going off at a slight tangent that uh, (laughs) question about this maximum storage you might need for a smartphone i think you're probably right an awful lot of us can now still get away with 32 gig in a phone as we did back in the days of the lumia 1020 when i was saying at the time that 32 gigabytes was just about enough and you know these days it's actually more than enough as long as you've got enough data. Now, um, you uh, used to live in the Sussex. Occasionally you still do, which is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And there are people listening to this for which uh, their coverage, data coverage is not very good. And for that reason, I do still recommend normally 64 or 128 gigabytes, either on card or internal. And then you at least can stock it up with, you know, most of the music you like and a few films for, yeah. you know, for, for journeys. So I think that's still recommended. But yeah, at a pinch, as long as you've got a good data tariff, you can get away with, you know, 32 quite easily still. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I say that as someone who's recently uh, bought a phone with kind of 256 gigabytes of memory, and I did that because there, are, of course, there are occasions when you don't have coverage, be that, you know, tube, train journeys, when you're in the air, when you're kind of roaming on data. And actually, one of the things we've, we've seen kind of Netflix and others, um, you know, Spotify introduce the ability to download uh, the content very easily as well, or as yeah. you say, load up your music collection. Also, I quite like having my full photo library for the last year or two rather than putting it all up in the cloud and that takes up a pretty significant um, amount of space but I, I do realize I may be a bit of an exception to the rule um, and you you mentioned uh, Sussex actually it's probably worth saying that um, for many years only had a 2G signal on a single network very excitingly the local mask got upgraded and that's now 4G I suspect there are fewer and fewer spots in the UK and a lot of other countries as well you know 
some of the Scandinavian countries, frankly, have amazing coverage. Um, but there are always going to be not spots where either you don't have cellular signal or the broadband coverage, and therefore the Wi-Fi is pretty flaky. So it, it's worth keeping in mind that not everyone has universal kind of ubiquitous data. And I don't think it ever will, because, you know, you can think of train journeys or motorways or dead spots in buildings. It's never going to be perfect. So I think we'll be in a, a hybrid world for a long, long time to come. Um, and I think that will remain the case for the foreseeable future. Um, so that's when, of course, these streaming things do fall down a bit. Um, and it is very noticeable, actually, the modern smartphone without dating starts to be a bit useless, especially the number of games and apps that kind of require a connection to kind of get the most out of them. So I still have a soft spot for apps that you know have good offline yeah, capabilities, yeah. whether that's something like Kindle for reading or any of the um, video services or, or actually games, because a lot of the time, They've got some online elements, particularly when they're multiplayer. But even if they're not, sort of, they yeah. sort of fall over if the advertising doesn't work or the high score table or something. So, uh, yeah, as I say, a little bit off topic there, but that's what we like to do on the AAWP Insight podcast. Well, let's face it, most of the podcast is off topic because there's not <laughs> that much news about yeah. uh, Windows Phone and Windows 10 Mobile. But we will come to some. Just to mention, of course, the maps being offline is also really useful. Absolutely. Yeah, and I really think of... Uh, I mean, Maps is probably the best example because when you really, really need it, it's because you are quite literally lost in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the countryside, potentially, and possibly without any signal at all. And that's when you can at least get to where you're going. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, still plenty of use for uh, offline stuff. Um, I, I think of streaming, Rafe. I mean, I'm sitting here in Reading in Berkshire at the moment, and you thought this would be pretty much central southern England and, and the hub of uh, IT infrastructure and so forth, network infrastructure. I'm sitting here at my desk, and I haven't got 4G. I've got this on a 3G signal. I could probably stream you know, voice radio and so forth, but I certainly couldn't stream video on this connection, and I wouldn't want to. So uh, I think we'll be in this hybrid world yet for at least another three or four years. So, uh, there are. so in, the mean, in the meantime, stock up on those gigabytes, everyone, because they are <laughs> quite useful. Um, I wanted to take on this podcast, Rafe, alternating stories, good news, bad news. And that, that was a good news story, a bad news story. Uh, the Twitter Universal Windows Platform app, uh, Twitter, tw Twitter has upgraded it. You think it might be a good thing, except well, hey. uh, it's actually a downgrade because what they've done is they've they've been tweaking their progressive web application, their PWA, which uh, they upgraded the version in the store for the desktop about a month ago. And it's now been rolled out and it's now upgrading people's nice UWP app on their phones uh, and changing it and upgrading it to this PWA, which means there's no real working notifications. There's no really real working live tile. There's no dark theme. You can see why Twitter had to do it, that they they'd basically abandoned their old UWP code base about 18 months ago and they'd been working on this new way. Let's, let's do everything via the web. Let's do everything over just HTML, and HTML5, and we'll push it out to all devices via various wrappers. You can see why it makes sense from their point of view. And we have at least now got the ability to do 280 character tweets. But overall, Rafe, I would say, A, this is a downgrade, and B, uh, one more vote for Tweetium and other third-party clients. Yeah, I'd uh, agree with that third-party recommendation. It does seem to have, I think as you put it, every feature under the sun. Um, maybe this uh, kind of official UWP app from Twitter will be sufficient for most people, but you sort of go, in that case, you probably expect them to just go to the website anyway. Yeah. Um, the push notifications is really the big one for me here. And obviously, PWA can support that sort of thing, although uh, on Windows 10 Mobile, there's a, a few caveats uh, to that. 
But it's also interesting. I, I mean, I do think Twitter is the kind of application that kind of makes sense as a PWA, but you do start to see the experience of the performance deficit. And, I, you know, it's the ongoing debate of web versus app. And actually, you know, PWAs have moved that uh, further to the kind of side of web than ever before. But there are still some deficits. And actually, in some ways, this is the perfect example. And people go, oh, but yes, you can have some extra features in PWA. You could make it better. Yes, you can. But actually, the downside of PWAs is, is sometimes you won't get that best experience or there'll be something missing. And so I think it, it, it's one of the things that's always been true of these hybrid or cross-platform apps is because they can be worse, they sometimes are. It's kind of inherent in them that the, the compromise sort of tends to fall more on that scale. And so it's actually unfortunate because the, the PWA apps, which have so much potential, often come out worse than perhaps the underlying technology would dictate they could be at their best. Um, and I think that Twitter's a perfect example. And obviously, you can see the decision-making behind this. As you say, maintaining a separate code base, you know, said, well, we want to continue to support these users. It's a dead simple job for us to wrap this up and, and make it available without the Windows Store. And actually, the effort involved is very low indeed because we are just talking about wrapping into going through an App Store submission process versus, you know, the having to have uh, Windows developers on hand. And of course, this progressive web app is just as available on other platforms and actually that would be the motivation behind developing it um nonetheless as you say it's it's good to see that there is at least third-party twitter applications continue to be available um and if you're a serious uh tweeter i, I don't think there's any doubt you'd probably already explored those and if you don't go go and try out tweetium yeah and tweetium i think is the only third-party Twitter client, client with a, a proper real-time push notification service so i would i would put that at the top of my list and then if you Agreed. really if you really don't like tweetium then there are alternatives but i think they're limited to polling for uh mess dms for example by every 15 minutes or so so i'd start with tweetium uh, on the good news bad news and then alternating um theory rave <laughs> We have. Let's just stick with some good news. The uh, I was testing camera phones again at the Lumia 1020 Classic, uh, the 950 against the Huawei P20 Pro. Um, I, I've been doing various camera comparisons with the launch of the S9 Plus, which I've still got here, the Samsung Galaxy phone. Uh, and this new P20 Pro, kind of co-created by the co-creator of PureView back in the day, Eero Selmalin. So this was really a kind of a, a hotly anticipated shootout. And do you know what? I was disappointed by the new camera on the block. And I, I concluded, and my scoreline will probably be amazed you, Rafe, and it really and kind of annoyed a number of commenters, although I think they can hopefully download the original images and see for themselves. But that, that classic Lumia 1020, my favourite, and it has been my favourite now for five years, um, it, it ran away with the test. Once you start factoring in zoom, once you start factoring in actual image quality down at the pixel level, uh, for cropping later on, that Lumia 1020 is still the king of the crop. And maybe mm. you can see that with your own eyes. Well, I think if you look at the pictures, I mean, those kind of judgments are always subjective, but there's no doubt that the 1020 is, if not the best performer, you know, very close to the best. I, I, I can't really argue with the results here. Um, if I look through all the photos, there's some that I might sort of um, say, oh, well, actually, the 1020 is not so good there. And it's worth stressing we're talking about the pure output of the results, not the kind of ease of capture, because I think yeah, yeah. where the 1020 yeah. still falls down, it's kind of like it's a bit slow and clunky to use. But yeah. that's not what we're we're looking at here. And actually, I think it's a fair thing to do, because essentially what we're doing is we're looking at the capability of the raw kind of optics and camera stack and the hardware and not sort of 
getting into the overall experience. Now, you would absolutely need to do that if you were choosing which one you, you'd take out. And that's probably why I suspect, Steve, even with your, the scoring, the Galaxy S9 Plus is probably still your pick. And we talked about it in a previous podcast about how you felt that kind of broke new ground and kind of dethroned the king a little bit. But I've got to say that Huawei P20 Pro really is disappointing uh, in terms of the results. And I, I can't disagree with them. I mean, I've read several reviews of this now and um, it people do tend to fall into two camps. I think those who look a bit deeper are coming to the conclusion that it's not all it, 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 you might hope it to be. And, in, you know, it, there's the over-processing. And just frankly, um, given the hardware that's in it, it's a bit disappointing, the results you get from it. I mean, I talked about it, I think, on the last podcast, but one about how it seemed really promising and the kind of innovation of having uh, the three-camera approach and, you know, the the Zoom stuff as well. Yeah. But frankly, it does just doesn't live up to its hardware. Now, I suspect some of that can be improved in software, and I, I think it will be. And yeah. it's fair to say the 1020 went through a big evolution, but I think it started from a, a better base. And, I, you know, in some ways, this makes me think of the story that we've had with smartphone cameras for a long time, that it takes a while to develop the team and the experience and almost the uh, that X factor of knowing how to produce a great smartphone camera um, Huawei just aren't quite so far along that journey as, say, Samsung and certainly uh, Nokia were. And actually, it, this Huawei P20 reminds me so much of Samsung's earlier efforts, especially around things like the S6, X, S7 timeframe, maybe a bit earlier than that. Yeah. So I have absolute confidence that they will get better. They certainly got some very smart people in their camera team, um, but they've got room for improvement. So I guess what I'm saying is Huawei you know, the specs, the hardware looks really promising, doesn't quite deliver. And I think it, it will do in time. But I just think it tells you how complicated it is to produce a great smartphone camera, because it's not just about the hardware, although it's important to get that right. And it's important to have innovation. And Huawei have arguably done a good job there. You then obviously need the software and you need the experience. And it appears that this is where they're falling down, not making the most of it. Um, and I would also draw a contrast with I've, I've seen quite a few uh, comparisons with the Sony Xperia XZ as well. And that's another company that seems to have developed deep expertise, probably not surprising given they're behind a lot of the imaging sensors. And they actually have somewhat inherited the mantle of the kind of pure view approach rather than kind of the, and I don't want to call it overprocessing because it sounds so negative that, but the different approach taken by uh, Samsung and, and also Huawei and a whole bunch of other manufacturers. Yeah. Uh, Apple is arguably somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think they take a, a pure approach, so not quite to the extent that Nokia did. The sad thing is, of course, actually you ask people to judge the photos and not do the kind of pixel peeping that Steve typically does in his comparisons, and a lot of people will pick out the Samsung and the vibrant photos because you know they just look prettier, but that's a decision that gets made in processing. So this was a really fascinating uh, comparison for me because I mean we're talking about incredibly sophisticated bits of hardware here and you know 1020 despite being old clearly you know was a, a, a forerunner for some of these devices certainly in the approach and putting in really high quality kind of imaging hardware and I mean that from the sensor size from the optics also the sophistication of the processing algorithms um, and we've talked about it before it's taken a long time for everyone else to catch up yeah. Um, but yeah, great to see this result. I mean, great from a purely personal point of view to see the 1020 continuing to hold its own, 
even if I suspect, uh, Steve, even as an imaging purist, would you still pick the S9 as the uh, device you'll take out with you? For all um, general use, I think that this S9 with Plus with its a two times telephoto probably has the edge. And I, as and as shown by my comparison feature on AWP, where it came out with the highest mark over the 950. However, that wasn't pitched against the 1020, which of mm. course has its own zoom solution and a purer zoom solution. But I have to say, having seen the brutal image processing on the current P20 Pro, it makes it the, the, suddenly the Samsung's sharpening seems really restrained and rather tasteful. <laughs> so it, it's all relative, Rafe. I, I love yeah. pure images. I like if, if you take a photograph of a waterfall or a garden or a, or a tree or a shrub, the sort of thing, nature shots that you and I love, then I think the original Nokia 828 and the Lumia 1020, they produce some of them, the purest and most natural looking images where you literally are effectively looking through a virtual window of your computer monitor onto the real scene. And you can believe it's a real scene. You look... You look at an image from a Samsung, or and definitely not the P20 Pro, and you're seeing an, something that looks like a printout, a computer artificially processed and then printed out version of the actual scene. And that's not what I want to see. I want to see exactly what my eyes saw. And to my to my eyes and mine, certainly the, the classic PureView pair are still to be beaten. But, but yeah, they are certainly slow. The Lumia 1020 is still, even on 8.1, was three seconds shot to shot. And I think most people in 2018... If you know, she's trying to shoot fast shots at a party or an evening event, even with the wonderful Xenon flash, etc., they they couldn't stand that kind of shot yeah, shot absolutely. time. Yeah. But it, it is interesting, particularly on the zoom photos, just sort of the, the ten twenty is still a class of its own. Um and that's particularly disappointing given the P twenty. I think in many ways when we heard about it, people were expecting it to take a similar approach. But no, not not quite there yet. Um but I do agree with you again that, that real world usage and I've certainly got used to be able to take multiple photos in a second, and that's just something you can never do with the 1020. Yeah, and I do hold out hope that uh, the Huawei team will fix this in software. It seems to me like a no-brainer that they, they've simply applied the standard noise reduction and sharpening that they've applied to all their previous camera phones over the last few years. They've used the same algorithms and assumed that they'll produce acceptable results on the P20 Pro. And what uh, they haven't realised is that you've got such good optics um, such so many so much data coming in from the large sensor and also the telephoto and the monochrome then you can actually dial back all those artificial enhancements and just let the optics and the sensors speak for themselves and that's the trick that i think they're missing so far i do hold out hope that they are going to fix things and i'm i'm definitely going to borrow another p20 pro in about uh, the june july time frame and i hope they've got some serious updates under their belt and i'll do i'll do a retest if we're still around rafe if we're still around <laughs> Anyway, that was a good news story. Now a bad news story. The Alcatel Idol 4 Pro is sold out in the UK, which is a bit of a shame. Um, I did have a guess in the story, Rafe, at how many uh, Idol 4 Pros they'd actually made. Now, we first saw this appear in, in uh, Amazon Germany, um, and it's still available in Amazon Germany and also Amazon France. So clearly, the Idol 4 Pro is a Eurocentric phone um, rather than a world phone. Um have a look at my guess there in the story about how many units they actually made. What what would your guess be? Am I too high or too low? Uh, it's very difficult. So, I mean, you suggest 100,000 with 30,000 in the UK. Yeah. Maybe feels a little bit high to me, but um, I think it's entirely possible if you think that some of them would have gone out to enterprise deployments. I think um, in terms of the consumer stock, I, I definitely think the number's lower. Um, but I've seen a few of these out in the wild. So, it can't be too small a number. I mean, yeah, 
anecdote is worth uh, no data whatsoever. Um, and we've certainly seen quite a few people talk about owning these uh, devices. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was probably a pretty small production run. Um, and as you said, this was effectively a regional variant. Um, it was probably inevitable that it came to a point where they'd sold out. And I think it highly unlikely there'll be another production run. Yeah. I mean, we are starting to get to the very end of kind of Windows 10 mobile hardware you're going to talk about a good news story in a moment, so I won't spoil that. <laughs> but it's basically getting incredibly hard to buy one of these devices uh, new. There are still a few places with um, uh, stock through third-party retailers, and obviously there's the second-hand route as well, which there are quite a few devices available that way. Um, and But then you are basically down to the install base, which, of course, will be ever-diminishing as people decide to upgrade their phone and move on to something else. Um, so... It's sort of the the slow decline and de- continues, and you could probably argue it's a bit more of a decline now. Yeah, of course you can still buy the I say from Amazon France or Amazon Germany. It is exactly the same device, and you can simply start it up and switch from the default French and German Indeed, yeah. back to, to UK English, and you're exactly as if you've bought the phone from um, from Microsoft in the UK, except that if it goes wrong, you'd probably have to send it abroad. Um, for for repair or replacement. There's also, uh, on the subject of going back to good news, the Wiley Fox Pro is now formally back and available. And the Wiley Fox themselves seem to have sorted out their website and finances. That is good news. Um, I do have an exclusive, one of my, you know, Wiley Fox exclusives coming this way on Patch Tuesday, in which I can reveal something about the Wiley Fox and the full creators update um, branch finally hitting it. So I'll do a story on that. And that should be, as I say, um, tomorrow week as we record this. Um, I get, don't know whether this is a good news or bad news story, Rafe, but we'll finish on something on the, sub- on the subject of hardware starting to sell out. Um, life after Lumia is given that many people listening to this, maybe their Windows 10 mobile phone, maybe their Windows phone isn't their primary phone anymore. Maybe it is, who knows? But everybody's certainly looking around saying, what could possibly replace my beloved Lumia. Well, I had a go at answering that. I tried to identify all the reasons why people like their Lumias, why people like their Windows phones, some of the hardware characteristics, certainly. And then I I'd had a look around the Android marketplace with my phone show hat on, and I picked a half a dozen plus one, half a dozen um, different uh, possible options. Maybe you could just run through your reactions to them. And before you start, the number seven pick, which was kind of an added on, this might even have been the device you've seen out and about. The, the BlackBerry DTX60 is, of course, the identical phone to the Idle 4 Pro. So I'm wondering, unless you actually saw the front of the phone in the interface, Rave, you might actually have been spotting that BlackBerry rather than the Idle 4 Pro, but I digress. Yes, that's entirely possible on some occasions, although I have seen uh, kind of uh, Windows 10 mobile. So in one case, I'm absolutely certain. But yes, the rest <laughs> could indeed be this, this BlackBerry. And it's kind of interesting that Alcatel have done an interesting job of taking on what I think people might call, um, I, I hesitate to use the words dying platforms, but certainly ones that are in the uh, sunset of their history, shall we say. And they've done it for uh, Windows 10 Mobile and they've done it for, for BlackBerry. So actually, that's, I can go in reverse order on this list. The uh, DTEC 60, I think that would be a courageous choice as your Android device, because I think there are better devices out there. Um, but you do point out that, you know, it's it's hardware that we quite like because we've seen yeah, it in yeah. various devices. So, yeah, fair enough. I can I can see that. Uh, the Motorola Moto Z2 Play, um, it's interesting because it's got the kind of uh, snap on backs and it sort of reminds me so much of the Express on covers 
and then that for those that remember kind of the handspring visor they had their cases that you could have this as well and there's some frankly quite amazing uh mods that you can put on it including a kind of optical zoom lens um <laughs> you know better speakers i think there's a keyboard one in the works as well so yeah if you like your hardware with a little bit of um extra or the ability to get accessories to be honest a little bit crazy expensive but still um i know there are people out there who kind of mourn the loss of some of the more innovative form factors and i'm definitely definitely uh, sympathetic to that hang on ray like, crazy expensive the moto z2 play i think is only about 300 pounds or so the mods uh, are 70 pounds each so if you if you had even if with two or three mods it's still an awful lot less money than something like a samsung galaxy it, it is it just feels like uh, for some of them, at least the the mods. Oh, maybe maybe I'm being unreasonable there. It just feels like that's an, you know <laughs> having a mod that's sort of a third of the cost of the device is an interesting way to go because actually what's disappointing is the core hardware is perhaps a bit underpowered. But I mean that's yeah maybe I'm being too too unfair there. LG, you know, I guess they're not far off announcing the G7, but you can have something that's almost like it in the V30. Yeah, um, and the most recent kind of variant of that has kind of the ThinkQ uh, AI stuff, and it doesn't really make that much of a difference. But <laughs> I do think the um, AI camera stuff is notable because I think that's a, a big trend for the rest of the year. And actually with the LG, you kind of can point it at things and it will try and identify what they are in real time with tags popping yeah. up on the screen. That's kind of fun to see. Um, I think the trouble is it, it's hard to see the LG up against the Samsung devices because those are the, the big choices there. You mentioned the Pixel 2. Yeah, that's a great choice. You know, the pure Android, a lot of people like that. Yeah. Uh, I still don't feel that Google have put the support behind the hardware as much as they might might have done, um, which which means you kind of get to your kind of what are your top three effectively. The Nokia 8, which I think has a nostalgia factor for us. Um, there are a lot of kind of similar bits of hardware out there, but there's a lot to be said for kind of the purity of the Nokia design um and they've got some decent bits of hardware customization there i think you mentioned the microphones for example yeah, yeah. but i've also been quite impressed with what they've done with the screen and they've made some sensible choices about kind of using um kind of pure android delivering updates quickly yeah, yeah. and all in all it's just it i would say it's like the phone geeks choice um of a lot of the things we talk about we like, wish manufacturers would do they've basically done it does mean it's maybe a step back from the cutting edge because clearly it is stuff that's come off the shelf. Uh, but they are pretty quick at adopting new things. So, you know, there's there's rumors floating around about new devices for 2018 that kind of do the edge to edge thing full screen, even now with an iPhone 10 light notch. So but I think it's a, it's a solid choice. And, you know, people like the familiarity of that kind of brand name. But as I said, it's not just that they have actually genuinely put together a good package. Which leaves us with the Samsung devices. You mentioned the two flagships here, the Note 8 and the S9. Honestly, it's hard to look beyond Samsung if you just want to make a safe choice yeah. on what Android device to go to. You know, the Samsung does come with a caveat that they kind of take the kitchen sink approach, throwing everything in. And sometimes it means it doesn't feel quite as polished. And I think that's particularly a problem for people who have come from Windows 10 mobile devices, where actually there was quite a lot of polishing of the experience and not just chucking stuff in and i think also ios you know there's that perennial debate between iphone and samsung flagship owners um i have a lot of sympathy for people who say that uh you know the 
iPhone provides a pure experience, but then I, I look at it and go, but Samsung offers so much functionality, so much power, and has often done things before they're introduced to iOS. And you can talk about Qi charging, fingerprint sensors, um, and actually, you know, really hitting it out the park with uh, the display and camera, particularly in the last few generations. Yeah. And of course, having a little bit of variation in the models you can get hold of, because of course, some of it does trickle down to other things. And it does feel like the Note 8 genuinely does something a bit different with that bigger screen device. And, you know, the uh, the inclusion of the stylus or the pen is a, an interesting debate to have. But honestly, I feel like there's a, just a bit more variety there. So I'm just going to offer up a few of my own candidates. I think you could look <laughs> at um, the OnePlus devices, um, particularly the most recent one. Uh, I think there's a lot of the bang for your buck there, maybe a bit weak in some departments, particularly around speakers and camera. Um, but for some people, that's going to be a great device. Equally well, you can look at uh, some of the Xiaomi devices. And what I like about them is there's a full range of them, um, you know, kind of from mid-tier right up to flagship. You know, similarly, uh, in some markets, at least, Oppo is doing a, an interesting job. Some of those, I think, uh, may be kind of more out there choices to make as a, a device owner. But there's always always something coming along and I mean, part of it is that there isn't a lot of differentiation in the top end Android devices. You know, do talk about software and say, you know, Nokia taking the pure Android approach, Samsung, you know, uh, with touch with and, you know, even you could look at the Huawei devices because, uh, you know, we can be very kind to the P20 in camera terms, but there's a lot of other things to recommend it. And the kind of MUI um, has got a lot better recently. So, I mean, honestly, it's really hard to just restrict myself to seven devices. And <laughs> part of the problem is I haven't tried any of them for kind of more than uh, a few days at a time when I've been able to borrow them from people. Yeah. Um, you know, HTC was always a favorite of mine. It feels like they've gone off the boil a little bit recently, but the most recent kind of uh, U-series devices actually promising something of a comeback. You can never sort of rule out Sony altogether you know, because they tend to use their flagship devices almost as pilot devices for the latest camera type you know the sony xperia xz which i mentioned earlier that's a pretty interesting device to take a look at as well so it really depends on what are your criteria and i think that's the key difference on android you will be able to get a device where you put a bit more emphasis on one feature or one function over the other what's important to you is it the purity of the experience in which case pixel or maybe a a Nokia 8 makes sense. Yeah. You know, do you like the stuff that Samsung throws and everything and gives loads of integration and kind of to the wider Samsung family and is really trying to push the boat out, which case it's a good choice? Or, you know, do you want to have something a bit different, in which case the OnePlus or a Huawei device is, is definitely a legitimate choice? And as you say, you know, you also have the Moto and um, the BlackBerry devices. So yeah. lot lots to choose from where, of course, on, on iPhone, you kind of get what Apple gives you. And so I totally understand it when people say they prefer Android because it feels they get a device that's more personal to them or has you know the, the things they like in it. I've been saying it for years, but for all smartphones, there are inherent set of compromises that are made. You choose between the different features, and it's you know like a, a difference between the specifications on in one corner of the triangle, kind of the cost of the device in another, and then the experience that you get from you know those added up. And you, know, you change any one of those, you get a slightly different device. And those are the compromises that are inherent in any smartphone. Um, and things always move on and getting better and better. And that's why it's exciting to talk about it. Um, but I do feel in the Android world, you have a little bit more control over those 
three dimensions, if you will. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with Apple, obviously, you get the latest device and it has got better. Obviously, the iPhone X kind of arguably gave you an extra choice and the older devices are still there, but certainly not the variety in terms of design and features that you, you get in the Android world. And of course, I think that extends into the software as well. Honestly, there's kind of more ability to customize things on Android. And, you know, people will talk about launchers or the available applications or various settings, whatever, whatever it is that gets, you know, excites you. Um, so it's still kind of hard to, when people go, oh, what phone should I buy? It kind of depends on the individual. But my default recommendations are still kind of iPhone 8, um, Samsung S9. Um, I have recommended the OnePlus uh, to a few people. And I have been recommending the Nokia as a solid to choice, particularly in the mid-tier, um, if you're not really price sensitive, because there is a bit of a premium to pay for the Nokia devices, as there is for the other ones I've mentioned. Yeah. Um, if you had to pick one of these, Steve, which one would it be? Oh, it would be the S9 Plus because it's the one I, I put my own money into. Oh, After all of these, all of these phones, I get loaned quite often, long-term loaned for free, and yet I put my own eight hundred pounds into a Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus because I think it is that good. I think it takes all of the hardware, all of the functions, all of the expansions and flexibilities and gadgets from all of my Lockheas, uh, were both Symbian and Lumias over the years, everything all into the one incredible phone. And there are only the, the, the niggles on it are so small that they don't make me want to go back. Having said that, I do have two SIMs and my second SIM is still in the Windows phone. It's currently in a Lumia 1020 for reasons which will become apparent on the site <laughs> in 24 hours time but more of that just a couple of extra comments feeding back from what you just said Rafe the uh, I didn't mention a OnePlus 5T there although it's a great phone because in, in a one week's time they're launching a brand new uh, flagship the OnePlus 6 and I guess I should have put a PS <laughs> wait a week and then there may be well an, another good option <laughs> but yeah the OnePlus 6 looks pretty good um just coming back, given that you are mainly an iPhone user, partly for reasons of work um, that you have to you know, be compatible with the iOS world for your applications and so forth, you've got an excellent view of iOS. And I've in my article, I explicitly called out and said, if you are used to Windows Phone, Windows to Mobile, do not buy an iPhone because I think, I think and I, this is my bullet list, they've never been expandable. And I think that most people using a Windows Phone like having a, an expansion card. Uh, they the iPhones haven't had an audio jack, a 3.5mm jack for quite a few generations now. And I think that's a big plus point for many an Android phone and also for every single Lumia. Um, even in 2018, the iPhones can't even shoot video or stereo audio. So you're down the pub shooting your local band or some concert or an outdoor event and you shoot it with an iPhone. You get a mono soundtrack, which for the people coming from all of those generations of Lumia with, with wonderful stereo audio, I think is a huge downside. Uh, they don't have a reliable back gesture. I was on an iPad yesterday and I was with a friend and he was a computer expert. I'm a, com quote, computer expert. And, you know, neither of us could work out how to go back in the application. We had to go right back to the home screen and relaunch the application and navigate back to where we wanted to go. This sometimes iOS just drives me absolutely insane. Whereas Windows Phone, Windows Mobile and Android, they all have a back control a back gesture or some some reliable thing on screen that takes you one step back in the interface and i think uh, losing that is a major downside and finally the fact that the file system is still completely hidden and inaccessible you just you get a few share targets you get a few ways of dropping stuff via wi-fi and via the cloud with apple and ios but 
people who have Windows phones, Windows 10 Mobile, they're used to plugging it into their Windows Surface or desktop PC or whatever, and instantly their phone, with all their files and folders and everything, it's all available if it's dragging and dropping. You treat them as files and folders on your main computer. And I think losing that flexibility as well is a big, big no-no then considering buying an iPhone. So with, with me then... <laughs> telling Mr. Mr. Rafe Lanford, Mr. iPhone, that the iPhone is not the way forward. Would you bounce back against much of that? Well, I, uh, as I said, it kind of depends on the compromises that you're willing to make as a, a smartphone owner. I mean, it's hard to argue with any of those. But, you know, you talk about expandability. Um, I mentioned buying a phone with 256 gigabytes of memory in it. That's not going to be a problem for me. The audio jack, I I've honestly been less affected by it because switch to using a bluetooth headset but i still it is still an irritation for me um the video thing i agree that's like it's a very strange oversight in some ways um i don't really get affected by it just because i don't shoot that much video it's all still photos for me but i wonder how much i'm shaped by what the device is capable of doing and i think <laughs> that that's the interesting thing you are absolutely a product of the devices that you've previously owned yeah um the back gesture, it's interesting you bring that up because I really don't notice it. I mean, maybe you just get memory, memory muscle for the way applications work. But then there is something, and I agree with it, when I do use an Android device, which I'm still doing regularly you know, on a daily basis. In my case, it's uh, an HTC device and sometimes a Samsung device, although I, I hasten to add not the S9, which I'm really quite keen to get my hands on at some point. Um, you kind of appreciate how, how easy it is. And I guess what it comes down to is particularly with third-party applications, if it's not well implemented, it's kind of irritating. We had this, you know, particularly being used to the Windows world where actually there were quite stringent guidelines and developers were quite good at following them. I think um, on both Android and iOS, you, you do get more lower quality applications and it's particularly noticeable on iOS if the kind of navigational controls don't quite work as you think they will or you have to spend that extra second going, oh, where's the menu? Oh, how does that work? Yeah. Where, of course, on Android, you just know you can hit the back button and, it, and well, it should yeah. just work. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally, it won't. Um, the file system, it's a really interesting one. It used to bother me enormously. Now, it really doesn't because so much of the files I have, the data I have, is, is sitting in the cloud. I'm really not that bothered. And actually, with uh, iOS 11, of course, Apple did introduce files. And so there was this kind of this concept you could get at things a bit more easily and I think that kind of use case that you described of plugging it into USB and just doing drag and drop, I'm afraid it's just not that common anymore. For most people now, the phones are the primary devices and actually the kind of idea that you'd want to kind of put stuff onto it seems a bit nutty. If it's going to be for anything, it'll be getting photos or video off it, which of course, you know, um, is made relatively easy by some of the companion apps. So I don't disagree with anything on that list. Um, I just don't think it's, kind of uh, a priority in my my personal thing and I, as I say I'm lucky because I get to use multiple devices and I do have an iPad as well which I use quite a bit for work and I think having the consistency between those two which I definitely got used to in the Windows world is something I also like and um, you know using a, a Mac computer for work as well I guess there's a, a small thing there but honestly I, I, I miss the kind of crossover um, ability and just consistency that Windows had. And you certainly don't see it because, you know, OS X is not really the same as um, iOS. If I was giving the same list, you know, about why you might want to rule out Android, I would probably say the consistency of the experience can get frustrating. I think the amount of expectation that you put everything in the cloud and don't have things running locally, 
and kind of that that Google thing where essentially you're giving up some of your data privacy in order for Google to know things about you. And I, I think it does get overplayed this, but um, Apple, I think, has taken a similar stance to Microsoft in that it tries to protect your uh, privacy and your data, whereas there's just this niggling doubt that Google is always kind of looking to get it into the cloud, do things with it. Now, of course, that that's a bit unfair, but you could say that about some of the things that you talked about, whether that's important to you or not. Um, and I think the other thing that's probably big for me is that actually the devices hold their value uh, for longer and get security updates more frequently. Um, now, that's unfair because Android is kind of, you, you have to take it as a whole. If you look at some devices, actually Nokia, a good example, but also obviously the uh, Google devices, the Pixel devices, they do get uh, security updates very quickly indeed, but that's not universally true. And certainly the amount of time you get them for, I think it, uh, as a general rule, Android, you just don't get software updates for as long as you do on Windows or iOS. And that definitely has an impact on how long it feels like your device is running the most recent software is most up to date, is you know secure and all of that. And as yeah. I said, there is a re resale value thing. And I guess the the last one that I would choose is that um, particularly coming from the Lumia devices, which it felt like they were well integrated in software and hardware. It was all coming from a, a single company or at least companies that were very tightly aligned together back in the Microsoft plus Nokia days and then laterally just Microsoft. So it felt like it was a consistent product all the way through. Android's biggest problem remains that it's sort of the software is developed by Google and then manufacturers put stuff on top of it. So that feels a bit inconsistent. And then it's married with hardware that, you know, it comes from the same companies, those doing the kind of software customization on top. But it's not just, just not quite so vertically integrated, not quite so consistent. And, you know, you get gaps. And I think actually the Huawei P20 with the, the camera is kind of an example of that, particularly because, you know, it just, I don't know, maybe it's an X factor, maybe I'm being un unfair here. And so this is a, a subjective thing, huh. um, but it just doesn't feel like it's quite so into it. And that's actually why the Pixel devices are so appealing. And it's really interesting to see Google effectively take on some HTC engineers. So, you know, that properly is going to be done all in one house. And I really look forward to seeing what they produce, because I think they could produce very promising hardware with that ability to control things more end to end the last last thing i'll mention um apple has a smaller number of devices that it looks after and therefore probably spends a bit more time on the kind of quality and the maintenance and understanding how to get the best out of the hardware and i think some of the android manufacturers and this is a little bit more subjective and it depends on the manufacturer kind of have a device and it has a, a shelf life of sometimes as little as six months sometimes up to 18 months before they kind of move on to the next thing. And it just means that a company like Huawei, for example, or Samsung are probably having to maintain 40, 50 plus different devices, different SKUs, where, of course, for Apple, you know, generally it's depending on how you count things, it's probably no more than 10 at a time that are active in the market. I do think that makes a quality difference. Not to say that Apple haven't slipped recently, in, uh, you know, I think I could have made that argument much stronger a few years ago now because they, the devices have proliferated a bit and they seem to have slipped on quality and that seems to be what they're concentrating on. Ultimately, though, there are so many great smartphones out there. 
Um, and at least for me, I would not want to be in a position where I had to choose between iOS and Android because I think they both have their their merits and I enjoy using both of them. Um, and I kind of have a personal SIM in one and a work SIM in the other, which which suits me very well. Um, and so I've tried to give you the iPhone side of the <laughs> equation. If I had to recommend just one, I suspect I would end up recommending Android because um, particularly if you step back from the true flagship devices, I think it offers more overall value for money and a greater ability to personalize and choose exactly what device you want. And so for most phone geeks, I think Android's kind of a natural default choice. For people who are less into their tech, I think sometimes the kind of very things that make iOS unappealing to the kind of phone geeks probably makes it more appealing to people who don't want to spend so much time thinking about it, who want the consistency, a predictable experience and upgrade from one year to the next, maybe less excitement or less kind of uh, customization in their life. So it really depends on who you are. So is that a good way of kind of not annoying anyone by not recommending one <laughs> device and trying to sit on both sides of the fence at the same time? Well, basically, the, each of us are going to get an equal number of hate letters um, <laughs> in response to our comments. I've just thought of another thing to add to my article, Rafe, and actually in terms of following on from a, the two or three years of the last Lumia's, and of course, that's the that Microsoft's Continuum is now aped in Samsung's DeX stock. Yeah, uh, and even on the Huawei's, the P20, P20 Pro, you plug them in via a USB Type-C to HDMI cable, and bingo, you've got a similar desktop experience. So it seems like USB on the go and Type-C, the, the, the possibilities really are there. The other day I was with my, my friend, and uh, we, we had to get a gigabyte of video from one uh, Samsung Android phone to another, and we literally just plugged them in direct, USB Type-C to USB Type-C, and they appeared as a disk drive on each other's, on each other's file manager. Yeah. And we literally, um, you know, not quite drag and drop, there's no mouse involved, you know, tap, 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 and the files got transferred in a couple of seconds. It's just uh, the, the whole, I'm, I'm definitely old school, Rafe. I like file systems. I like drag, <laughs> I like... I like uh, proper ways of transferring files and folders and knowing where my bits and bobs go. And I don't want everything in the cloud, but then that's just me. But then you're, I guess you're a product of your experiences in that sense. Yeah. And yeah. the device you, you own. And so this is why when people say absolutely one thing is the best over another, I sort of shrug and go, well, you can't possibly say that because it depends on, on so many factors. You can absolutely make a recommendation. And I think both of us have learned here by saying, you know, we like the current Samsung devices um, I definitely have a soft spot for the new uh, new Nokia devices, and I, you know, I've chosen to use uh, an iPhone as a primary device. So, you know, it, it really is a case of you know you look at what options you have and you make your choice. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, prices are coming down all the time, and functionality is increasing all the time. When is the right time to ditch your Lumia ten twenty or nine thirty or fifteen twenty or nine fifty? I suspect sometime in the next 12 months or so. So we may well revisit this feature, Rafe. I think we'll have new new options, yeah. and certainly in six months' time, and then maybe we can have another chat about it. But in the meantime, this was supposed to be a half-an-hour chat, and we've extended <laughs> it. But uh, it's been great chatting to you, Rafe. I shall say goodbye, and I'll leave you to, to the final sign-off. Yes, as ever, a big thank you to Steve for all the content on the site and to all of you for continuing to listen uh, to this podcast. Please tune in next time. We'll be back soon and promise to have more of the kind of mobile chat with a Windows accent. Thanks for listening.